Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Dwight L. Moody was a uh, famous evangelist, American evangelist and preacher uh, in America for a number of years. And uh, he had a very, very strong Sunday school movement that would go uh, for years and years. And uh, um, maybe it was big is better, but it it attracted many people. And one young fellow that used to go walked miles and miles to get to church every Sunday. And uh, he would walk past churches. He wouldn't go to the churches that were near to his home. And one day somebody asked him, why don't you simply go to a Sunday school that's closer? His reply was quite simple. He said, because they love a fella out there. They loved him. And so he's prepared to walk long distances because he was loved and accepted. Recently, I was reading three very familiar stories that Jesus told. Um, I've known these three stories since I first heard them a long time ago in Sunday school. I thought I knew why Jesus told these stories and the lessons in them. But as I stopped again to read these familiar stories, something new and refreshing and exciting bounced out at me something I don't think I had seen before but something that is changing my way of looking at 2023 Luke records Jesus telling the three stories and they're all three stories of a similar theme the fact that Jesus told the same story in three different ways must mean it's a pretty important point maybe he was saying to the people now listen now listen hang on focus on me listen this is important I don't know that I've often thought about it, but one of the things I do like doing is finding out why God put what he put in the Bible. Why did he put what he put in the Bible? He left some things out, and we've been arguing about them for 2,000 years, but there's some very straight and clear points that Jesus has given to us, or God has given to us through his word. Now, we know these stories... It's not going... After all the hard work we did getting it working. There we go. We know these three stories. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, or as we learnt last year in our studies here at the church, the prodigal God, the, the wasteful God, who, who loves us regardless, as uh, Di was saying a little earlier. And I found myself asking, why did Jesus tell these stories? Why did he tell the same theme but in three different ways? We could suggest that most people see by the title of each story, the point of the stories is that Jesus came to save the lost. That's probably what he's taught in Sunday school. That's the main thing. And that's true. You see, the religious leaders at the time in their holiness had withdrawn so far away from the people they were called to serve that they now looked down on the people. They saw themselves up here in the towers of holiness and all the, the ragamuffins were down there. And Jesus had to explain that they needed to mix with these people. Some people say that the story suggests that God is very thorough. He will, when he's, you know, he's on the lookout, when he goes looking, he will find. He will find even the, 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 the most wayward straggler. I wonder if that is most important. So I decided what I would do is look and see what Luke said. And if we look at Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, 
actually tells us. Luke begins these three stories by saying the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So, Luke says, Jesus told the stories. So there's the scene. That's the, that's the, the, the reason that Jesus did it. The religious people, the religious leaders were getting upset because Jesus hung around with the ragged people, with the, with the, 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 the dregs of society. He hung around with the dishonest tax collectors. Maybe there were a few prostitutes in the group. Maybe there were con men. Maybe there were people who drank too much or hit their wives. Maybe there were people who lied and cheated on their tax return. All the sort of scum that, that the world has to put up with and was such a contrast to the religious leaders in their holiness. But it was funny for Jesus strange in a way to these religious leaders because Jesus had a way of attracting those people. And I was thinking about that and I thought, that's funny, isn't it? Because Jesus' attitude and his actions and the way he talked with these people didn't turn the people away. You would think that Jesus, if he'd sprouted forth the Beatitudes or the, the Sermon on the Mount, they'd go, oh, too hard, out of here. But, but what he said and how he said it and how he dealt with people attracted this, what we would call low life, to Jesus. That's interesting. I would have thought that Jesus, the Son of God, would have been correcting people, telling them what they were doing was not right and that they needed to change in order to be good enough for God. That's really the message that the Pharisees were given. They'd been preaching for hundreds and hundreds of years, that here are all the rules that Moses has given us, and unless you can keep them, don't bother God with your time. But Jesus was saying something different. He was happy to be amongst these people, and he was happy enough to be, um, to be seen to be among them. That was what stirred up the grumpy leaders so much. Jesus was going around supposedly as a religious teacher, but he wasn't following the rules of the religious teachers of their day. He was going around socialising with the dregs of the earth. He went to their homes. He was accepting them in their sin. He was being nice to them. He was giving them time. He was loving them. What a contrast. He, he genuinely cared about the people. He understood them. He knew their needs. He helped them. All the leaders could do was criticise these types of people and keep their distance from them. It's not appropriate, they said. That type of message was incorrect that Jesus was saying and it had to be stopped. Well, let us stop for a moment. Think about ourselves. Think about... Windsor Road Baptist Church in 2023, could we be in danger of making the same mistake as the religious leaders? It's a danger we all fall into at times. I know I've done it in the past when I saw my Christian faith as a life insurance policy. You know, I heard about Jesus, he will save us and give us eternal life. Great, I'll accept him. Now I'm okay. I know where I'm going, that's all that matters. But what about the people around me? What about my neighbours? What about my workmates? What about my, 
friends in the sports club or in the hobby club? What about my relatives who don't know Jesus? Are we raising ourselves at times above the people around us? Or do we get amongst them like Jesus did? I've had mates say to me, I wouldn't go to church, the roof would fall in on me. What are they really saying? I wonder if they're actually admitting that their lifestyles are not of the high standard that they think is expected of a churchgoer. That we're too good for them. You can do it, Bob, but no, that's not me. But I also suggest that what goes on in most churches may not be of much relevance to those people. Jesus went to the temple, he went to the local synagogues, local places of worship, but he also went amongst the people, spent a lot of time under trees and out in paddocks, on the streets. Could we be in the same danger the religious leaders of Jesus' time were in by not wanting to be seen around these types of people? So why did Jesus tell the religious leaders these stories? Okay, let's have a quick look. You're probably familiar with most of them. With them. Verses 3 to 7, Jesus talks about the story of a man who had 100 sheep, but he counts them up at the end of the day. They've been out on the pasture together, and he realises that he's only got 99. One of them's missing. Well, that's no great drama, is it? You've got 99. Why not? You know, you haven't lost a lot of profit. But for Shepherd, that's a professional um, whoopsie-doo, isn't it? That's a, that's a mistake. Because if a shepherd loses a sheep, the law required him to replace it out of his own pocket. So that's a bit nasty. That's a bit uncomfortable. But there was more. Because it had to do with the, the shepherd's reputation. If he became known as the guy that lost all the sheep, he's not likely to get a new job soon. So you can imagine the joy that he had when he found the lost sheep. The situation was restored, and for him it was good news. We see there, Jesus said, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Have a look at that. There's more joy in heaven when one person accepts Jesus as Lord and Saviour of their lives. That's interesting. That's interesting. This would have been rather pointed to the religious leaders because here was Jesus saying that heaven rejoices when one of these low-life types repents and is saved. Do you get excited when you hear about somebody coming to Jesus? Maybe Jesus knew the farming story appealed to the men in the crowd and maybe the ladies were feeling left out, so he, he told the story for the ladies. He talks about a woman who was wearing her 10 wedding coins as a headpiece. Same as a wedding ring today, it told people that she was married. Maybe she looked in the mirror or something didn't feel right and she looked around and took it off and counted, oh, there's only nine, one of them's gone missing. Well, that's okay, you've got nine, what's the problem? We don't like losing valuable items, we can understand how she felt. We lost one of Leanne's rings, we've never found it, we have looked high and low everywhere. We know what it's like to be frustrated because the problem, when you give something away, you remember you've given away, that's okay, they feel better, you feel better. But when it's a piece of a valued item and you can't find it, you know what it's like, isn't it? It's a horrible feeling. 
You don't know where to look, so you look everywhere and you still can't find it. Then you begin to look at places where you know it couldn't be, just in case it is. This poor lady was in the same place. She looked everywhere. She turned the house upside down, Jesus says. She retraced her steps and she began to search high and low. I had a friend a number of years ago, one of the ladies of a kid in the youth group, and we went there for lunch and she told me how she'd lost her wedding ring. It just disappeared, just gone. She looked, it was there one moment, and then the next it was gone. She couldn't find it. They looked, they turned their house upside down. Couldn't find it. So they said they claimed the insurance, they got a new ring. Months later, she pulled the rubber gloves out from under the sink to do the washing up, and dunk, there it was in the rubber glove. It's like that though, isn't it, sometimes? And the woman began to search high and low looking for the coin. We can imagine her panic. What would her neighbours and friends say? What would her husband say when he got home? You, you know, you, can't you look after anything? What are you losing things for? This is precious. Maybe you should have taken it off before you were doing your housework, something like that. But she did a lamp and began to look everywhere, sweeping around, and finally Jesus tells us she found it. And you can imagine her joy. She was more than relieved. She was ecstatic. In fact, she was, she was so happy about it, she jumped through the embarrassment and went and told her neighbours about her good news. Yes, she may have looked a fool for losing it, but her joy was incredible when she realised that she'd found it. Interesting, isn't it? At the end of that story, Jesus said, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Ecstatic joy, overwhelming joy, not just, oh yeah, there's another one, we'll tick that one off the list, but joy in heaven. And Jesus told the story again. What's he trying to get through? He brings the point closer home to the religious leaders. He'd spoken about the lost sheep and the lost wedding coin, but he, but he wanted these religious leaders to grasp the point that he was making. And they were all men, so they needed to be told three times. That's fair enough. We can understand that. Jesus tells the story of the foolish young man who severely embarrassed his wealthy father by asking for his inheritance before dad had even passed away. Then he left home and went away and wasted all the money completely. Finally, this young fellow comes to his senses, swallows his pride and returns home to apologise to his father. But dad wouldn't let him apologise, not because he was angry at him. But unknown to the young fellow, his father had been grieving all the time his boy had been away from home. The man was just so glad to see his son again. All he could think about was throwing a party and restoring the family back to its former glory. And we read he was so happy. He was filled with such joy. He ordered the party to be held to proclaim the return of his son. All was forgiven. We're back to normal again. But then you probably know what comes next if we read a little bit further. Jesus tells us that the young man's big brother heard what his father had done. Well, he did not think that this was justice being done at all. His jealousy was aroused. And he complained to his dad. The party was totally inappropriate. 
a bad response to what the younger brother had done. This kid's not going to learn anything if you throw a party when he comes home. But his father replied, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Now we're seeing the three stories do have several things in common. They're about lost things, about lost people. Yes, Jesus did come to seek the lost and he came to save us. But what was the point that Jesus was really making to the religious leaders at the time? I think Jesus left no doubt that he was speaking to these people about their attitude of those who came to Jesus. Luke tells us that was why Jesus told the three stories. Because the religious leaders were getting upset that the low life of society were hanging around with Jesus. They weren't happy that Jesus was associating with what they considered to be bad people. But each story ends with Jesus saying that there are huge celebrations in heaven whenever even one person enters into God's kingdom. Now, I don't know how heaven operates, but there are people who come to Jesus every day around the world. So there must be a lot of partying, a lot of yahooing, a lot of whoopah and all that sort of stuff going on in heaven all the time. Three times Jesus tells us, and elsewhere, there is great rejoicing in heaven. It's a big thing for them. Why isn't it a big thing when I hear about people coming to Jesus? Is it because I've become blasé, I'm saved, that's enough? Last week, Darren and Yun, two of our church members serving with Powder Change in Melbourne, shared how 12 people they'd been working amongst in Melbourne had become followers of Jesus. 12 people have met Jesus. We should have been standing up and clapping with real joy in our hearts. I let the time slip by. I should have stood up by myself and clapped. That, isn't that good? I haven't led 12 people to Jesus in the last 12 months. I wish I had. I wish I could in that respect. But during the week, I got something on Facebook from Bill Hodgson, also from Power to Change. And this is what it says. Can you read it there? Over 3.9 million people came to Jesus through Power to Change last year. Thank you. Let's go. Thank you, Lord. 3.9 million people around the world met Jesus in a new way. Does that fill you with goosebumps? Does that make you feel something different? You might be going through a hard time in life at the moment. You think God doesn't care. He cares for 3.9 million people, and that's just through power to change. We should get excited. And that should drive us to go on. I want to share a story that Leanne and I had the privilege of being. We, we teach um, English on a Monday morning. And uh, we have all sorts of people coming from different countries for different time, lengths of time. And uh, we had a new family who have migrated to Australia and they're Muslims. And uh, they came along and they've been talking with us. And we, um, we'd let people know prior to Christmas that uh, the lights were on, they had the big Christmas lights at Bridgman Baptist and we said look 
You can go, it's lovely, it's friendly, there's lots to see and do. And we went there to see it ourselves and we bumped into this couple. They're an elderly couple, retired, they're here with their family. And uh, we sat down and we've, we have other friends who have come to know the Lord Jesus, uh, also from that country. Uh, they've come from Islam because in those countries when you're born, you are Muslim when you're born. That's it, that's the religious um, persuasion that you are. And we were talking about Christmas and what it's about. They'd seen the displays and we were just talking over coffee. And then some of you know Reza. Reza was there and a good friend of ours. And he was able to share the Christmas story in their own language for the first time. And we had another lady and her husband who are also Muslim coming to the... And they were there as well. And she'd asked me a couple of weeks before for a Bible. That's pretty dangerous because they're going to go back this uh, lady and her husband are going to go back to the country they come from. She said, I said, you, you, ask, you know what you're asking for? Yes, I do. I, I want. She was there. And Reza explained the whole story of what, not only what happened in, in Christmas, but also why Jesus came. And our friend, who is a retired university professor, put his hand on his heart and said quietly, I have heard the truth for the first time. Isn't that exciting? It really is. I have heard. We had coffee with them uh, on Monday. And they said, just before we start, just before we start, they were, they were like little kids with ants in their pants. Just before we start, we just want to tell you that we are very close to making a decision. They didn't need to say any more. So we're going to keep walking with them. We're going to keep praying with them and know that joy as well. Rejoicing. If heaven is turned upside down when one person comes to Jesus, why aren't we? Why aren't we looking for those opportunities? Who cares whether we make a fool of ourselves when we try and tell somebody about Jesus? What about your friends? What about your fellow or the lady over the back fence? They may be watching you, just seeing, are you different by the, the lifestyle you live, the language that you use, the care that you show? You take a, a, a freshly baked cake across to the lady across the road. Just little acts of kindness. That's all Jesus did. We hear about the big spectacular things, the rising from the dead and the healing and the, the blind seeing and those things. But, but it was Jesus himself. It was the attention that he gave to people. It was not worrying about the disturbances and the interruptions by people who needed. That's what changed people's attitude to Jesus. What's our takeaway this morning, friends? Oh, in 2023, let us not find ourselves becoming like the religious leaders. They're like the prodigal son's older brother. They were guilty of pride and anger and self-righteousness. It's so easy for us to become the same. We love Jesus, but we, it's so easy to look down on other people who aren't as good. You notice that everybody in the story experienced joy except the older brother. Isn't that amazing? Dad was happy that his son had come home. The lady and her neighbours were happy because she found a coin. The sheep farmer was happy because he found that sheep. He told his neighbours and his friends and they celebrated together. Only the young fella was, uh, was not happy. Joy is mentioned 24 times in the Gospels. 
34 times in the rest of the New Testament. It's pretty important. Joy. Not happiness. Not a, not a frothy, bubbly, let's be happy. Joy is deep down from the belly up sort of stuff. Joy. We should be joyful. We should rejoice when we have opportunities to share Jesus. We should be joyful during the day. And I'm, I'm not saying that we can't be honest. If we're down, we're down. I'm not saying we need to be this and put this false mask on that look like we're happy when we're not. Not at all. We're not called to be hypocrites. But what is joy? What is joy of knowing the Lord Jesus, of knowing we're forgiven of our sins, knowing that Jesus is Lord? May we never be complacent when it comes to a passion for the lost. In 2023, let's ask our Father for renewed fervour, for greater passion, for deeper sincerity, for stronger zeal, for increased energy, for greater love, for more enthusiasm and overflowing joy to see those around us come to Jesus. And I believe if we have this joy, we too will be encouraged to share it with our friends and our neighbours. May 2023 be the year when Windsor Road Baptist Church sees women, men, girls and boys come to Jesus in miraculous numbers. Let's get excited. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.